Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Pick 6 podcast. I'm Ollie Wilson. Uh, no Dave or Jazz for the next couple of episodes, I think. But delighted to say we had some special guests instead dropping on the podcast uh, this week. I actually recorded them just at the back end of last week. There's been a few bits of uh, editing and uh, finickitiness that I've had to go through. The first one, this one today, uh, is a good friend of mine. and Somebody who really I owe a lot to because he's the brains behind the operation of all of the on-site NFL that I've done uh, over the last couple of years or so, including the Super Bowls and the London Games. Uh, He works for Gridiron Magazine on their podcast as well. He works at TalkSport, both as a reporter, was at the Rugby World Cup final uh, earlier this year out in Japan. But he's mainly a uh, behind-the-scenes guy on Adrian Durham's TalkSport Drive show and uh, and a load of the OBs as well. And an all-round lovely chap, aside from the fact that he's a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, Ollie Hunter joining me for a quick sit-down and chat about... Well, we started talking... We were going to talk about NFL, and I wanted to talk to him about what's it what it's like being a producer at all of these on-site events and, and dealing with kind of all the technicalities of getting a, a system set up for, say, broadcasting from the USA back to the UK. Uh, we didn't really get into that at all. Uh, we got into a bit of Packers talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation after the draft, of course. We got into uh, uh, some discussion about the social uh, justice movement that's been obviously taking place over the last month or so, I guess now. Uh, a bit of COVID-19. We just bounced around the houses and, uh, and a fair bit of NFL as well. So sit back and enjoy. It's coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. For the football. Jeez. Well, that. I, I'm assuming that comes into extenuating circumstances. So I'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> flash my little Premier League EFL card and be like, yeah, I'm going to work. Nice, man. What are you doing there? I'm producing, well, I'm basically being the audio guy for Jim and Matt Murray for Cardiff Leeds. Oh, nice. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I've been drafted in to do some of that stuff, which is all right. I've been going to work every day, but uh, it's... It's been really quite monotonous. Of the shows have been sort of similar, but it's a lot of rewatching and reviewing and looking back and a bit of news. But um, it's it's been quite trying on the mind. I I know it's even worse for people that haven't been going to haven't been going to work, don't have any work, don't have any income. But um, you just see either deserted London or things not being done right at work or people not pulling their weight at work mm. or you know people are getting paid to do stuff and um they're not doing anything you know that kind of thing so all of that weighs you down yeah really weighs you down so i'm just glad to be going out and about and, and doing a few bits i um i did enjoy the fact that at one point it just seemed like because uh, you've been producing adrian durham's show haven't you still um yeah, yeah. 
it did seem at one point like Durham had just kind of gone, look, there's no sport, so we just won't really do much sport. Like my top five at five is going to be like favorite Western movies and just things like that. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. look, let's just pack yeah. it in. If we can't talk about sport, we can't talk about sport, but we'll talk about stuff that's there, you know? Yeah. So we've, yeah, which has been quite fun, actually, especially when it's been, even when it's been sport, you, you find out stuff because I have to research all of the audio for it. You find out stuff that you'd forgotten or that you didn't know about, and then you go and go and do it. So, for instance, they did like a, a top five Beatles for a musical uh, thing on a Friday, top five Beatles songs. And obviously their Beatles songs were uh, ones that I, I think I know all the Beatles songs, mm-hmm. but um, there was one in there that I hadn't heard for ages. So I went back and I listened to it, and then I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> this is a, a real lockdown thing. I'm going to listen back to front the Beatles catalog. <laughs> so I start. I started in 1963. I think their first one was finished in 1970 in one weekend, in one day actually, wow. because the first albums are about 30 minutes long each. I listened to every single album in chronological order. Uh, so that was fun. I've worked out that a lot of the early Beatles stuff was rubbish, <laughs> and a lot of the later Beatles stuff I, mar- I far prefer. <laughs> that is, um, that's kind of dedication though, because if I listen to an album, I always get to the point where, like, there are there are the songs that you know and you know you really like, and you kind of get like, yeah, yeah, just get to that one, just get to that one, like track four, skip out two and three, and then there are some which, you know, there are definitely some duff songs that you get on albums, and oh yeah, and to, so to actually sit through all of that i don't know i mean it's as you say it sums up lockdown in that it's just something to do it gives you like a little bit of purpose and uh you put yourself through even like the the duff songs and everything like that just to kind of tick that little beatles back catalog box right well yeah exactly i I was probably playing football manager at the same time so if there was (laughs) a if there was a a duff beatles song I'd, i'd um I'd uh, I'd concentrate a bit more on on whatever my game was at the time and uh, and um, skip it mentally in my mind and then <laughs> kind of think about when 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 please please me comes on I'll be like Duh. yeah brilliant okay great love me do love love me do oh brilliant <laughs> so yeah um, it's been weird what about you have you been have you been have you found side projects have you found um, that you've been cooking different different things if you you know it's, what what have you been it's doing? been it's been really weird in that at the very beginning of it i kind of thought you know you can do anything during this time still because there's so much information on the internet there's so many kind of pieces of entertainment that you can have in books television whatever just all instantly accessible and uh but it's still really easy just to drop into that well what what's the reason for getting out of bed today like there's no work i can't go and see anybody or anything like that so definitely early on it was just quite tough um but like cycling has ended up being quite a big thing for me i've got an indoor setup with my bike and obviously you can quickly take it off and move it outdoors and hit the road as well when the weather's been good oh, wow so um so i've been able to do like 20 odd miles a day at like varying resistances and things like that um mm. one thing that i actually really poo-pooed uh because i had my birthday was like the end of march and so it was kind of early on in this thing and my dad said to me shall we sync up a football game on youtube and watch that together uh, on your birthday so we were like, okay, we'll do the 1994 European Cup final when Milan upset Cruyff's Barca and 
for them 4-0. And we did that. And then a couple of my like dad's schoolmates who, you know, we're friends, family friends and all that kind of thing. And they've got kids. And I know they're kids and all that kind of stuff. So um, kind of got involved as well. So every Saturday we've done a three o'clock kickoff and we've taken it in turns to choose a football game that we've found a stream of on either YouTube or various websites. And we sit down and we all hit play at the exact same time. So it kicks off on the dot at three kind of thing. And it's, I thought it was going to be a bit naff initially. And actually it's been really good to go back and watch some A, fantastic classic mm. games and B, to have, yeah, Saturday afternoon, three o'clock kickoffs. Like it's it's a, See, that's cool, <laughs> it's a yeah. bit of normality kind of thing. Um and like we've uh, then some mates and I have done that with the American football as well. Like we we picked our like two favorite NFL games of all time um, on the podcast, and then we went back and skyped up and watched them all together at the same time, and kind of just getting the feeling for for those games. And you know, one uh, one guy was talking about Ravens Steelers from two thousand and ten, the AFC Championship game. Yeah. We're yeah. Just a dogfight. And those games at that time were an absolute dogfight. It was a complete slobber knocker between the two every single time they met in the division and in the playoffs. But it was really interesting to yeah. go back and hear Jazz talking about how he loved that defensive football that wasn't all high scoring and craziness and things like that. And and just, <laughs> yeah, the brutal AFC Championship game that it was, um, which was kind of cool as well because he talks with a fair bit of passion about it too. So you always get even more invested in it when yeah. it's uh when it, when that's the case so yeah yeah it's just been doing things like that just to find a little bit of something during the day and then obviously like doing some podcasts and and things like that so yeah it's been fun man like there have been some bad aspects to lockdown obviously but there's been ways to try and find a way through it kind of thing so yeah well i mean we're we're syncing this up on um on various computers and what's happened and stuff like that. So I can see you and you're looking well and you're looking refreshed and you're looking happy. So I'm pleased. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been able to cultivate the beard nicely now. I've found exactly the, yeah, the trim bad. that I like and the length and stuff like that, man. I'm assuming yours isn't a lockdown unshaven for the whole of lockdown. Cut, no. Um, do you know what? Two days ago, I gave it a little trim. I was looking um, uh, proper, proper hermity. <laughs> Even though I haven't been a hermit, um, uh, you know, proper homeless is it's uh, my cohort. Will Gavin would say, but under here, just like by the the where the uh, the the jawline meets the neck, I always used to get really long stuff. I've trimmed all of that, so I'm I'm actually looking rather fresh uh, for once, which is unusual for me. But with the with the syncing up, I'd love to do that with my dad, but he's got zero uh, attention span. So the best we've done is we've watched. Um, Sky have been doing Lions rewatches, and my dad's a big rugby guy, mm. so he's not really into football um, or American football. Well, no, he likes American football, uh, but he doesn't have the doesn't quite know what it's all about yet. And what we should do is him and I watch an American football game at the same time, and I can then talk him through it. But he doesn't have three hours yeah. to spare because he just doesn't have the attention span. This is a man that that um, can only get through about 50 minutes of a film and go, right, I've got to go and do something else now. <laughs> um, but a Lions rewatch on Sky, sort of the 97 Lions in, in South Africa, was a really good one with him to, to do. And then with a few guys at work, um, Scott Taylor, who 
I did the cricket with back at base um, when TalkSport went to South Africa. Uh, we ended up watching the, I think it was, I think we did the World Cup final and the the Ben Stokes final day at Headingley where he yeah. smacked, well, him and him and um, Jack Leach managed to, to knock off Australia for that most improbable of all wins. And it took you back because I remember at that time last year, me and my girlfriend went to Cornwall and we were driving about um, from Newquay to, uh, we went to the Steps. Are they called the Steps? Something like that in Cornwall anyway. And people were just stopping on the street um, crowded round radios <laughs> listening to TMS to this most incredible oh, how, what's to win how many wickets we got left what there's just what it was amazing and then when it Stokes did hit that final ball I was in the car driving along this coastal windy coastal road and people were hooting awesome. and cheering because one the ashes weren't dead but all right we ended up drawing the series and and losing them or not not getting them back um, but it was just the most improbable of things. And I think we've seen that as people that have worked in sport, you end up going to grounds and, and, and seeing improbable things. So, um, the Atlanta Falcons losing a 28, three win against the new England Patriots, a, a, a margin against the new England Patriots in that Super Bowl. Was it Super Bowl 53? I think it was 53 no, or maybe 51. 51. Was it 51? 51. It was 51 because your one was 52. Yeah. So um, you could probably say in consecutive Super Bowls, those were two very uh, improbable things that happened. That Although a select few people in the stadium, myself, Will Gavin on the on the 28-3, said this isn't over, don't write them off. Despite Mark, Marky Mark Wahlberg walking out of the stadium at twenty-eight-three, ah, <laughs> you Patriots fool! Um, oh, you can swear, don't worry, then, Ollie. It's fine. You can. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But then the very uh, thanks, mate. Then the very next year, it was it was almost improbable that the Pats didn't do it again, given how good and how well um, Tom Brady played in that game. If it wasn't for well, he had a better game than Nick Foles, you could say, apart from the the, the failed catch mm. um, from who who pitched him the ball. I can't remember, but the failed catch down that right hand sideline that if he'd caught it, he'd have definitely got the first down. I actually think he would have probably been nailed, or he would have he would have gone out of bounds. But that was a really key moment in the game, and then for Nick Foles to to almost replicate the play and score. At the end of the half on fourth and one was a, was amazing. So there were some so many improbable things about that game, where you expected the Patriots to come back because they did it the year before. They've got the pedigree. It was just an incredible, incredible game. Um, and then maybe the the one that we did last the last Super Bowl, where it wasn't quite as ridiculous as the comeback, but. The Chiefs really were nowhere, and Patrick Mahomes, on multiple occasions, pulled them out of the mire and got them back into the game. And of course, you are always going to look at the coaching foibles on the other side. So Shanahan going to the the classic Green Bay Packers style prevent defense when you're up and uh, and and leading. Um, 
in big games. Oh, don't. Duh. Well, maybe we'll talk about it later. And <laughs> we will get the, some the, Packers the, yet at some point, man. The Seahawks Packers game, which put me in a funk for two weeks. Um, but we had it in in your game, the the the, the Phillies win over the the Patriots, where um, Malcolm Butler didn't play, which was unbelievable. Why didn't he play him? It just pulled him out the the, the day before, or whatever. Um, and then the the one before where Carl Shanahan and um, Dan Quinn just lost the plot. So, it, regardless of what happens in for these amazing comebacks or amazing feats in in big moments, there's always a little caveat to it that the other side shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> there's um the the Stokes innings uh, is definitely something that I think any sports fan has ticked off on lockdown because Sky have shown it. A number of times now that that mm. cricket, uh, especially the final the final day, and um, I think everybody has sat through it and just kind of gone back to that. Where was I when when that happened? Kind of thing, and it was it was really surreal watching it again because the first time I when I saw it live, I was in Argentina and like nobody cared. So there was I I was just like watching it on a on my little iPad or whatever in my apartment but there was no like buzz around the place there was no kind of anything yeah. and it was really weird to be and and similarly with the World Cup final as well the cricket World Cup final was um it was exactly the same I was on the other side of the world and didn't really have any of the hoopla and it was one of the few times I got really homesick because I knew that at home it would be like you were describing like it would just be a great moment that sports fans were, as you say, gathering around radios and shop windows with televisions in and things like that just to see it. And uh, yeah, I, I love it when you get that. And unfortunately, when the England football team play, we then get a bit OTT with it and it ends up like bus yeah. stations end up getting destroyed and things like that. But there is that perfect balance of just sport bringing loads of random people together to gather around a radio or something in a pub garden and, and listen to it. It's uh, It's awesome when you get things like that. But in the the improbability stakes that you were talking about there of the last few Super Bowls and things like that, um, the thing that blew my mind more than anything was that the Pats Eagles Super Bowl was meant to like a load of people went into that being like defensive battle, like this is just going to be a real could be a proper slugfest kind of like we were talking about with the Ravens against the Steelers, you know, like that Eagles front seven had been so good at getting pressure. Uh, was the secondary of New England going to be far too good for someone like Nick Foles? And for Nick, Nick Foles, <laughs> like he's going to have the weirdest career, particularly when he, I, I don't think he'll do well in Chicago because I think Chicago's. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago's a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, although I do like uh, Alan Robinson. I think he's an awesome receiver and he, he was great when we got to see him um, in London last year against the uh, against the Raiders. He had some outstanding catches in that game at Tottenham. But um, Foles' career is the most improbable thing, that he would win a Super Bowl after... He's like had giant peak of, you know, the seven-touchdown game against Oakland, then massive flop-off after that season. Flop, flop, flop. Then comes in for three playoff games and and a couple at the end of that season. And the two games at the end of that season, he was really bang average stroke poor, like backup QB, Nate Sudfeld style. And then um, and then to go into the playoffs and just kind of hit this playing Madden kind of mode, just sling it, was just... It's a great shout, that, play, the playing Madden mode. And you're right, it was just slinging it about, finding your best players. But almost in contrast to this season where um, Carson Wentz sort of stayed fit, 
but everyone else, <laughs> sorry, I say this season, last season, but all of his receiver core kind of crumble around him. Everyone sort of stepped up in, in that, in that Super Bowl winning year, didn't they? You know, Ocean Jeffrey, um, with an amazing catch in the Super Bowl. Mm. Um, the even Jay Ajayi played all right. Look, Garrett Blunt, um, in the in the backfield, and then some of your other receivers coming up with big plays at the right time. And it, it, I think it's not that he, Nick Foles, elevated them. I think they elevated him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Corey Clement on some of the catches that he made and oh, runs man, after the yeah, catch as well. Yeah. And again, he was a bit like Boston Scott this year of like, nobody really knew much about Corey Clement and then suddenly exploded kind of midway through the season and did really well as that like third down back. Um, yeah. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had hands. He had hands and they weren't made of stone or rubber and the ball yeah. wasn't bouncing off yeah. him left, right and center. Um, but Look, I, I could wax lyrical about that Eagles team <laughs> for way too long. How many Super Bowls have you done now? Because we did obviously the one in Miami this year uh, and the one in Atlanta before that. And I know you were at the other one that I've been to, which was the Seahawks-Pats 49. I was not at Were you not one? at 49? I thought you were. No. I was back, at, I was back in London uh, hosting the Gridiron... Um, the gridiron Super Bowl party at the Bloomsbury Lanes. It was our inaugural one. Um, oh, no, it wasn't. It was our inaugural one. The one before that was the Tuesday morning football party at Bloomsbury Lanes. But it was the inaugural <laughs> gridiron one. And um, uh, so I was there for that. And, yeah, it, it was in Glendale, wasn't it? It was Arizona. So that was the the... I wasn't. I was in London for that one, but my first one was Super Bowl Fifty, so the Broncos oh, nice. winning. So I think I've done five. Uh, so uh, one less than the Pats have actual titles, <laughs> but I've done. <laughs> I've been to five, um, and I think we've, as as for my actual job, we've had it on the radio for the last three. You've done brilliantly the last two. So um, I've been. I've been there as a almost as a fan working with gridiron and going into the locker room um which was a ama- it's an amazing thing if, if you haven't spoken about it on on the, the show before but th- at the end of the game the access that you get is unreal you get to go down into the locker room and see the uh the super bowl trophy being passed around after the, the atlanta atlanta falcons game i think that was the one where Brady's shirt got stolen yeah. and Will Gavin was on the the surveillance pictures and was a suspect at one <laughs> point before they realized it was a Mexican journalist. Um but in the studio in in the locker room in that one um I was there for when Robert Kraft was handing around cigars to every single Pats I know it's the Pats but it's an amazing moment. Yeah. But for every single Pats member um uh, of the of the organization and and giving them a hug and it really does mean a lot the year before in S- super bowl 50 which was Peyton Manning's uh Peyton Manning's final game and um, where he finally finally managed to equal Eli Manning's uh, super bowl triumphs <laughs> which is ludicrous to think but um that was an amazing moment because going into that game the Panthers had this really sexy offense cam was slinging it around madden mode and they had some interesting things going on and it was a far 
more even contest than the game played out. And it was all about really um, Denver's defense. And they plugged Peyton in and he just about managed to get them over the line. But an amazing moment in that locker room was the guy that caught the two-point conversion. What was his name? Uh, you find yeah, it out I'll, whilst uh... I talk about it. But the guy that caught the two-point conversion, Peyton Manning's last pass or scoring pass to to win a game, or last scoring pass at all, uh, no one was talking to him. So all of the normal reporters, there's 100 reporters that go into the locker rooms, had forgotten about that particular moment. So uh, we managed to get a good five to six minutes one-on-one with him, which is really rare in a locker room after the Super Bowl. And then when suddenly people started to realise, hold on, was it Benny Kitchens? Someone Kitchen? Oh, no, it's not Kitchen. ESPN. Who was it? ESPN is taking a very long time to uh, to get up here. Maybe because I'm running my yeah. VPN as well, which is not... You will hear uh, two men... Frantically trying to find out who Benny Benny Fowler, Benny Fowler, not Kitchens. I knew it was a Benny. Yeah, it's not Freddie Kitchen. It was Benny Benny Fowler. Fowler. So no one really realised that Benny Fowler had had got this moment of history and um, a really cool, cool moment is or cool thing is you'd expect Benny Fowler to keep that ball. He gave it back to Peyton Manning. That's cool. So somewhere in Peyton Manning's He's probably got a, a whole house on his estate devoted to game balls and trophies and uh, MVP awards and and all of those things. Um, somewhere in his in his in his estate, in a particular wing of his mansion, there will be the the ball that Benny Fowler caught, the last ball that he threw in a Super Bowl. I think it was the last ball that he threw in a Super Bowl, or the last ball he threw in anger in. <laughs> in the NFL um, and all because this lowly uh, wide receiver who pro- I don't think he's done much since um, has, has, has given a prized possession away, <laughs> which if you think about it in 20, 30 years time goes on sale. And we're talking about maybe the, well, we'll see about the quarterbacks when they retire that are around now and some of the ones that are coming in, but Peyton Manning will, will probably be a top 10 quarterback of all time. Um, that ball will be worth a lot of money, but he's given it away to a very, 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 very rich man. But, but Manning's got so many, as you mentioned, of these balls and stuff that actually the rarity of having a Peyton Manning like game ball that he wants to that he's kept for a number of years might actually drop off because of his success and having so many. Oh, this is the one that I completed my 50th touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison. This is the one where I got my first ever touchdown pass in Indianapolis. This is my first one in Denver. This is my Super Bowl one again. Yeah, but this is the <laughs> this is the last one. Yeah. This is the last one of a glittering career that we thought was over after that back surgery and um the Colts then tanking for Andrew Luck and look how that went for them. Um we thought so this is the, the we thought that his career would be overshadowed by his little brother, who's nowhere near as good. Oh, he's a joke. Oh, don't it's start just, me on it's, Eli. It's, <laughs> it's, well, yeah, a close personal uh, NFC East friend of yours. But yeah, it's so, you know, these, um, that's the great thing about American football, isn't it? it college football or, or NFL. There are these standout moments, which, which 
can then produce other things. When it comes to football, um, soccer, because it doesn't have this stop-start element and it doesn't have... It's more free-flowing. It's difficult to pick out moments. I find it far more difficult to pick out moments, whereas there is a an end point and a start or a start point and an end point to every single play so every a play can go down in history rather than in football a particular moment in a game going say, down at you a maybe block, you maybe instance. get like a mazy dribble and stuff like that for in football yeah. you know like I win against Argentina Maradona against England things like that but in general yeah it's harder to pick out unless it's a set piece you know but a set piece, by definition, is more like American football. You know, that, that Beckham free kick against Greece, you yeah. know, it's a big moment, but you've got the anticipation to that big moment as he's lining it up and everybody's waiting. And that's why I think American football, you can have those moments because there is 20 to 30 seconds of anticipation where before the plays run, anything can happen. That can go to the house one way or the other on every single play. And there's always that little bit of like nervy tension and then depending on the scenario, that moment gets amplified even more. You know, if you're down at the goal line with 20 seconds to go, suddenly those 20 seconds probably feel like 20 hours to the defense that just want yeah. to have it, have it done. And that that's why I think you get that. Yeah. Those, those standout moments a little bit more in, in the NFL for, for that reason. Um, it's just, I always think it's weird with that Peyton Manning Super Bowl that he was so bad that year. As a quarterback, his yeah. rating is so low; <laughs> it's ridiculous. Benny Fowler, by the way, went to uh, the New York Giants and is is currently there at the moment. So he's gone from a bad offense to a bad offense, which is a bit of a shame, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> mate, which uh, I don't think's got much prospect of getting any better, despite Saquon Barkley. Yeah, well, Saquon uh, Saquon's going to be like most running backs, isn't it? Where they, he's just going to be given the ball so many times, and he'll be done after like three or four years of just carrying the load yeah. i mean the jets used to do that the out. bears did that all the time because they haven't had a decent quarterback in chicago for a long time but you know they're running backs like matt forte and people just had to carry everything for three or four seasons and then right let's get another one right let's get another one um you got to kind of feel sorry for running backs at the moment undervalued massively in terms of the pay because there are so many that you can just fit another guy in as long as he can break through the tackles and that's all they really want at the end of the day from running backs. Get you four yards to carry and then you you know, that's it. And that's why you can get some good value draft wise. Yeah. You know, two, three, four. And I think gone are the days where we'll see an RB going in, even in, well, is Leonard Fournette the last one that went in the top 10, top five? Oh, no, probably Saquon is. Duh. But you know what yeah. I mean? I think unless it is this transcendent talent like Saquon, it, it, gone are the days. Well, and you're, um, seeing, going, you're seeing as well, just on that, is that even if you've got a Saquon Barkley in there, you need to have a decent team around that running back, whereas a quarterback on his own can do a little bit more. Like if you've got the quarterback, the, the standout guy under centre, that's going to make far much more of a difference than a standout running back will because the running back still relies on those holes to be created. Otherwise, he's going nowhere, which is like, it's a shame for Saquon because going so early meant he's gone to a bad, such a bad franchise and it might not be a two years until we actually get to see what Saquon Barkley can really do in the NFL. And as fans, I don't want to see the Giants do well, obviously, but as an NFL fan and enjoying watching great players play, you do want to 
see Saquon putting up like 220 yard rushing games at some point, you know, I mean, and it's certainly within his, within his remit to be able to do it. I mean, I think he did it twice, maybe once last year, but it's when you're, when you're the only player on the offense, you're a marked man. You can tell a, you can tell a, an organization is rotten when someone like Odell Beckham wants out. Yeah. So, um, I can't see it getting much better. They're the kind of organization that in two years' time, they'll think, oh, we need to move up in the draft to get someone. Um, let's let's trade away Saquon Barkley. It'll be something mm. like that because they're, like the Chicago Bears, they're a basket place um, organization, which I revel in... Um, in how badly run they are. So we were talking just a second ago about like the comparison of NFL and, and soccer, as people might want to call it. I still find it weird saying that, but yeah. Um, so do I. I was chatting with somebody the other day about how the return of the Premier League happened last night, obviously. I'm not that excited about it because I feel, it's not just because of the lack of fans, but I just feel in general that we're overly saturated by sport, and particularly in the in the UK, we're overly overly saturated with football. In that every single Premier League game is hyped up to be considered like a big event. You know, Ford Super Sunday. The same build up for Everton Bournemouth will be for like Chelsea Arsenal. You know, it's everything is put on that exact same pedestal, which takes away the uniqueness almost of those big games. I remember when watching Monday Night Football on Sky it used to be like, oh, this is a under the lights big clash big extra build up for it. it it kind of meant a bit more whereas now everything yeah is on that same level whereas i don't find that with the nfl because however oversaturated we get in terms of it's a 24 hour media uh, news cycle in in the nfl because the season is so short and every single game does potentially mean something when you get down to it that i'm so much more excited for the nfl coming back in september if it does come back as we hope it will do compared to the return of getting this Premier League season done I just wondered if you if you were kind of similar on that sense of this return of the Premier League it's like yeah okay let's just get out of the way and get it done like it's not going to be the same and we've been talking about the build-up to it for weeks and you know football's been a bit of a mess with loads of like transfer rumors coming out of the blue as well because back pages need to be filled with something and things like that I just find it it's all a bit too much at times which is really weird because Obviously, I love the actual game. It's just all the unnecessary crap around it, <laughs> around the edges of the 90 minutes. Yeah, I get, wh- I get where you're coming from. Um, at work, it's been, let's get excited for the Premier League restarting. I think there's a lot of um, people trying to grab onto something normal, but the whole aspect of playing games in front of no fans, five subs, um, nine nine subs on the bench social distancing in the stands if if players are there by the way i I hate the term social distancing it should be physical distancing Mm. because you're not you're still socially able to interact with someone you're just physically not allowed to that's but that's another thing but um so there is that um the fact that it is is back it, it is not a normal thing so at man city arsenal last night they had fans on watching the game on Zoom on a big screen. Uh, the joke was they can't even fill those. The, the <laughs> City fans can't even fill those up because there are a couple of empty spaces. I think some people have got bored. Um, it is. It's um. 
it was a bit of an anti-climax as well last night with the two games. You had the the crazy decision of um, oh. the goal line technology not working in the in the Sheffield United Villa game. Tragic, I, unbelievable. Tragic that. Do you know what? It, I've never rated Michael Oliver as a as a referee, but he constantly keeps going. People keep going. He's our best ref, and I've seen him fluff big moments where as the best ref would have taken control, used com common sense, that goal should have been awarded last night. But we're getting back into the um, the fact that the Premier League is back and well, football's back. You've got the Championship coming back. And it all does... I, I agree with the, with the transfers thing. It seems a bit trite. I don't care about transfers. Mm. I also find it weird that clubs are spending 100 million when they've just furloughed 90% of their staff and things like that. And it's like, oh. Yeah, they're, they're, there's no joined up thinking in the reportage of it, <laughs> yeah. is there? Because, well, Tottenham Hotspur have taken out a £175 million loan to to help the, cover them over the next few months or and the previous last months. So, um, it's... Uh, it, a lot of it... that. A lot of it isn't joined up. A lot of it doesn't compute well for me. Um, and when you watch the games themselves, it really is an anticlimax. The, the players don't look fit enough. Um, it looks weird. It, it sounds weird with the... Um, Fake crowd When it's noise. empty. But if you put the crowd noise in, which is weird. I heard a bit of the crowd noise last night. I went into an off-air studio and, um, and they were playing out the crowd noise option from the TV. They're not doing it on radio. Um, I think you can do it on the website. But either way, it feels artificial. However, I watched some NRL Rugby League where they do add the crowd noise and it was done so well that you forget that there isn't any crowd in oh, wow. in the stadium. It, honestly, it's done brilliantly. So... So the the crowd gets more excited as the ball gets closer to the try line. They um, when conversions are kicked through, there's a little cheer. So it's done really well. I'm not sure how it's going to work with football or or, or soccer, <laughs> as, as we should say. Um, I think we as NFL journalists and 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 people that work within American football, I think we're actually spoiled when it comes to um, how important the games are because at literally every game until you're eliminated from it's in, in fact every game means something all the way up until your draft position is secure <laughs> so if you if you are um, 14 0 and 14 and the nearest person is 3 and 3 and 11 quick maths um <laughs> And you know you've got the number one draft position and you're playing someone where their draft position is secure, then that game actually doesn't mean anything. But that's so rare. Every game means something in the NFL. So there's a lot riding it each time. And we, you and I were conditioned to oh, Thursday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night football. Um, let's, let's look at red zone throughout the day. We are conditioned to to thinking and believing that it's all really important. And it is, it's, it, despite it being a sport and whatever's going on in the States at the moment and how how it's going to come back, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, 
say everything's normal, we're conditioned to thinking that it's really, really important. And the whole news cycle throughout the year, this what's if you there's what fifty four players on a, a game day, fifty four players on the roster, forty nine on the game day, I think, or forty seven, and then. If you think of practice players, you think of players that are injured, players that are out of contract, there might be 80 players per team, 32 teams, two, over 2,000 players. There's an awful lot of storylines and an awful lot of things to happen. So that's why there's so much going on. The US is a big old country. So I love, I love, the, I love the NFL. And it's a, a lovely distraction from the day-to-day... Slog that is English football <laughs> and European football, especially as a QPR fan as well. There, mate. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a slog yeah. at times. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah. I think the NFL spaces it out nicely. I, th- I always feel with football, like you can you can watch a game of football every single day of the week, most weeks in the season, because you've got Champions League, Europa League, the Championship Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. Champions League and all that. The NFL feels kind of the same because, as you say, we've now got Thursday night football that's a staple part of it, um, Monday night football. Um, the odd bit of Saturday night football when the college football season finishes as well, they have one or two games because I remember um, uh, the Pats played the Giants many years ago in their unbeaten season and Brady and Randy Moss just went off on one against the Giants. But then the Giants went back and beat them in the Super Bowl that year. Um, but yeah, so you do get almost every single day aside from Tuesdays and Wednesdays where there's definitely not going to be any football. But I never feel overly saturated. It feels like it's spaced out enough that you have enough time to look back, reflect what happened on a Sunday, say before a Monday, and then you've got Tuesday and Wednesday to chill before the kind of the Thursday new week begins as well, which, um, yeah, it's just got a lovely pacing to it. And I don't think you ever feel like you're completely inundated until you maybe turn on red zone and then it's suddenly like everything's going off and you're just getting almost waterboarded with NFL action, which is, is great. Uh, I still prefer a, a long game myself. I much prefer a Sunday, six o'clock and a nine o'clock and then catch up with highlights and stuff. But um, I under, completely understand why red zone is so useful at doing what it does to attract new fans to the sport, to, to kind of bit by bit educate people. Because it, it is a bit of an education process, and that sounds patronising, I think, but you do have to really learn about the game at some point. Like You can see highlights and be like, oh, that's an amazing pass and stuff, but to get that deeper understanding of what all of it means, you do need to delve kind of underneath the kind of flashy red zone, and they do do quite a good job on that of bringing it all to you. I think Scott Hansen's obviously awesome at it. But yeah, it's it's not quite as intense as a Premier League football season. But it is in that everything means a bit more. And then you get into the playoffs and everything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I just just find it nice and chilled. The NFL season, for all of its hecticness, it actually kind of feels nice and chilled a lot of the time. Um, talking of your Packers, by the way, because uh, we're talking about running backs and great value you can get. And you took a running back third round of the draft, the kid out of Boston College? Yeah, th- I think we did. Yeah, we did. Um should, I, NFL wise, I am uh, off the ball. I'm in serious off season mode. But yeah, we did, and that's going to complement um, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, where it it's a rarity if both of them was stayed fit at the same time. Um, mm. 
Jamal Williams, who's like the nicest guy as well. Oh, lovely guy. Super nice. Um, But yeah, it's... It was a weird one, the last Green Bay draft, because I watched the first round uh, live and you're expecting, oh, okay, what, what's uh, tight, what's not tight end, what, um, what, uh, wide receivers still available for, for a weapon for Aaron, for Aaron Rodgers? Uh, what's this? We've, we've traded up. What, hmm. What's this? We're, we're, we're taking a, we're taking a quarterback. We're trading up. What on earth is Aaron Rodgers going to think about this? And, Straight away, you had uh, the likes of Rappaport and Schefter saying, Aaron Rodgers isn't happy. He's not happy with this. And, um, and Favre comes out as well and is like, oh, I've spoken to Aaron. I'm not going to say what he said, but uh, but I will say that he has said to me that he's really angry. <laughs> and it's like, oh, cheers, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say what he said, but he's very similar to how I felt when they drafted him <laughs> all those years ago. And, uh, in you know, almost improbably... Um, Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers fell to Green Bay. Uh, AJ Dillon, they drafted him yeah. in the second round. There we go. Uh, we st- we've got the Dexter Williams who, who was there before as well. So, um, the running back situation looks all right actually. I, I think they they when it comes to Green Bay and the, that receiving core, they brought in Devin Funches from. Indianapolis, who he got injured, I think, in the first couple of games of the season last year after his trade from um, Carolina, where he's just a big body. He's the the big body that will replace Jimmy Graham, who was let go. It was a a 10 million year a a year experiment that didn't work. Weird how it, it was so good for Jimmy in New Orleans with Drew Brees, and then um, it didn't work out for him in in Seattle and you could say I wouldn't say it was a, a failure because Green Bay managed to get to an AFC final an NFC championship game but it didn't work out ultimately I guess for for them um I would you could imagine especially with what's with with their acquisitions and how their roster looks now you could imagine Green Bay being a running and throwing Running, running, running backs and throwing to um, to wide receivers and the the tight ends are blockers. So Mercedes Lewis, the ex Jags guy, he's ancient. He's older than you and me. Mm. Um, he's he's been retained. He's a blocking tight end. He can catch a ball. He's a good catcher of the ball, but he's primarily a blocking tight. He's end. a big square, he's, isn't he? Almost Mercedes he's, Lewis. Um, he's, he's stocky as big, hell. I've interviewed Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis, you meant to call him. Marcy. And um, really, really lovely bloke. Really lovely bloke. Um, so I think it will be north-south with uh, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams. And then um, Aaron Rodgers finding his his wide receivers. It's like Devin Funches will be used as that tight end style red zone threat I, I can't imagine that he will be out on um first and tens on the green bay 20 first first drive of this or first play of the series mm. i can't imagine that at all i think he'll be that red zone target and you've got players like equanimous st brown great name i think he's the only nfl player who's got every 
vowel in his first name. Um, that's awesome. That's a that is a go. good little knowledge bomb to drop there. I, I, I think he I think he is. Um, he's coming back from from injury. Um, so there'll be players coming back. They Aaron Rodgers really loves Alan Lazard. Um, Devontae Adams. I might. I'd. I'd. I'd probably fight anyone to the death who doesn't agree that he's a top five in the in the NFL. Um, he makes plays when he shouldn't. He runs routes really well. Uh, he's got great speed. He's got great awareness. He's got great chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Um, between you and me, you'd have. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think Odell Beckham's been consistent enough, and he's got other problems. But talent-wise, he's a, he's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm struggling to find anyone else to put above Devontae Adams. Maybe I'm being a bit of a homer. Probably am, but I think he's a fantastic Tyreek Hill. Dreadful human being, mm. um, <laughs> but Tyreek Hill. He's a small guy. He's five foot eight. Uh, Devontae's six foot or so. So Tyreek Hill's not as well rounded, I don't think, because he can't take that high ball. Man, he's got that. He's got that pace. Yeah. It's all about the pace with him. Um, frightening, frightening pace. But size-wise, he's quite the all-round package that Devontae Adams is. Yeah. And also, and Tyreek Hill works so well because of the system that Andy Reid plays and, and the way they yeah. they run those passing routes. Whereas Devontae Adams, you kind of see more as a, you can put him in any system and he will succeed because it's his own talent that gets him there rather than just he's a speed unit in a offense that relies on speed like Tyreek Hill. Your man, Alan Robinson, actually, you could argue that their skill sets are very similar. Um, just Alan Robinson had absolute shit to work with. Uh, Alan Robbins had absolute shit to work with in Chicago rather than having um, a, an NFL almost full ball- a first ballot Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's... Uh, that That then comes down to the, the whole luck of the draw with being a pro athlete in the NFL, isn't it? Like if you if you go a little bit later on in the draft as a receiver, you're going to have somebody decent at least throwing you the ball, as opposed to being stuck in Chicago with with Mitch Trubisky. Uh-huh. Oh, well, look, it's all um, <laughs> uh, it's all Robinson's fault. He could have gone somewhere with a decent quarterback, but he took the money after being drafted by the Jags. Uh, he just—it's his fault. He went to Chicago. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not yeah. feeling sorry for him. Okay. Um, Bears prick and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think um, the the Rogers thing? Because it, it's it's obviously quietened down after the initial draft night, um, but it it was kind of the talk of the town in the NFL for a good week or so afterwards, at least. Um, like. Aaron Rodgers, do you understand why they why the Packers went and got a QB because of Rodgers's age and perhaps it's like a well we were expect some people thought he was going to end up with like four or five rings in like the boldest predictions because he was he is yeah, that good. Yeah. Um but it just hasn't quite come together for various reasons and maybe a lot of them outside of his control as well in the way that the the team's been put together th- and coaching and stuff, but do you understand why they're thinking maybe have a backup plan for the future? 
I think the injuries situation is a big deal. Um, he's had injuries five, four out of the last five years, at least, uh, which have taken him out of games. And I think last year where he didn't necessarily miss a game, um, there were injuries which prevented him doing things that he needed to do. And then when you've got Tim Boyle as your backup, before that it was Brett Hundley. Before that it was, um, man, who was that guy that the Seahawks paid a lot of money for? Uh, it will come back to me. But either way, the backups have nowhere near been good enough. So why not get um, a really talented guy in the draft? Pick him three three slots better than you picked Aaron Rodgers, and try and develop him and see if he's got something and it's all about that development stage isn't it um unless you're going to pick someone in the very top of the draft and even then i think the last person to really come out of the draft and hit the ground running in their first season was andrew luck pat mahomes he had three quarters of a season sat behind alex smith before andy rogers said do you know what? Let's bring him in for the last two or three games and uh, see if this guy can do stuff. And then his first full year was last year. That, that people forget that. Um, but he had sat behind someone for a year. All right, uh, a, a great in in Allen's in, in Allen, Alex Smith. Wasn't it his um, second second year last year? Wasn't it because they lost to the yeah, Pats? Yeah. No, but it was his third year in the NFL. His second. I was his third season. in the NFL. Because he lost to the Pats in the AFC Championship you game right. the year before, which because we were hoping it was going to be Chiefs against Rams, which would have been the Thursday night football repeat that, or Monday night football repeat that was just amazing that season, and it wasn't. It was the Pats just grinding a Super Bowl victory out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so no, you're you, no, you're hundred percent right. Pick me up on these things. It's a, it's my lockdown mind, which is uh, <laughs> getting away from me. But um, either way, he still in in his second season took someone took his team to an AFC championship game um, similar to what um, Andrew Luck managed to achieve in, in, in the early parts of his career. So it's very rare that you get a, a player. Baker Mayfield went in the top five and in you could say regressed after his first season. So very rare you get it. So let's get a guy in, develop him behind. So I can see the, fi- the, the, the thinking behind it, but I don't think they realise that Aaron Rodgers is um he's quite precious at times. So yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they could have got someone um although they've been down that road before, get a jobber to to sit behind Aaron Rodgers just in, just in case he gets injured. Well, my I would have been happy with uh <laughs> with Colin Kaepernick, but that was <laughs> not on the table. That was not on the table a few um a few years ago, it might be on the table this year. I think it's definitely know. on the table now. I think every single quarterback room has to have him on the list at this point because the demand. There's the the if purely for demand. Like the 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 thing I kind of find funny about the Kaepernick thing is, um, is now there's a huge outcry for Kaepernick to be back in the league. In and like is getting him back in the league going to be enough even just on a roster will people then expect him to have to start and play some snaps but the guy hasn't played for 4 years and it's actually now from a franchise point of view 
in just footballing terms, the worst time to bring Colin Kaepernick into your team. Mm. The best time would have been three, four years ago when uh, he's out of the Niners and somebody picks him up then. Because at least then he's still in tune with the NFL. He's still 100% fresh, ready to go. And now it's like, well, now there's a demand and almost a pressure for somebody to bring him in when he might not actually be an NFL quarterback anymore because he's been out for so long. And I don't distrust like the training and things like that, that he's been through. I just think it's a really, it's a really weird situation that NFL and NFL owners have got themselves into in the way that they've treated Kaepernick almost. It'll be very difficult after four years to get up to speed. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's examples of it happening before, but from a purely marketing point of view, and it, the NFL's all about marketing. Mm. If he goes to the right franchise where there isn't going to be ridiculous backlash, I mean, it, any backlash would be ridiculous, but um, it would be an amazing marketing move, I think. Because, for instance, if um, if Green Bay picked him, and they wouldn't ever pick him because it's a very white uh, state, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a very white state. It's, it's middle America. It's the Midwest, yada, yada. But if they did, you'd get a lot of liberal fans like myself going out and buying a number seven Kaepernick jersey, Green Bay jersey, because it's got, it's got his name on the back. Um, every time I've, I've tried to look into seeing if I'm with Cap, Hashtag I'm with Cap number seven, those black jerseys. Yeah. They've always been sold out. I'm. It's a, uh, it's a strange one. It's a strange one that um, no team has picked him up. But I, I think it would be marketing wise a, a great ploy. And if he doesn't make it, then you cut him, and at least at least you've given it a chance. But yeah, it's um. But if if you cut him, there would be. I always feel there's there would be some cynicism of a well you only brought him in to oh, say that you brought him in. Um who's yeah. the who was the uh Michael Sam? The, yeah. the uh, gay... first openly gay NFL player. And yeah. again he got he got bounced around a few teams eventually on kind of trials and workouts and stuff like that and there were sometimes it felt like it was more of a oh no look see we 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 Fine, having an openly gay guy on our team too. Yeah, oh, we're but, liberal. Yada yada. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but he's not going to make the grade, so uh, no, no, thank you, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that's that's more cynicism in my eyes. I mean, I, the way the US is at the moment as well, with the NBA players saying, like, you know, some big NBA players saying, like Kyrie Irving saying that he doesn't want to play in Orlando because it will distract the restart of the NBA season will distract the attention away from the social movement that's taking place. Mm. And I haven't heard any NFL player say anything similar yet, but. I'm wondering if there are going to be players that will say, look, I'm not going to start this season while we're still in the midst of this big social justice movement that's taking place. And whatever happens in the NBA kind of filters through into the NFL and vice versa in some ways because they are so closely linked as the two big sports in the US. The build-up to this NFL season is fascinating from a marketing point of view and from a keeping the players and owners all on the same kind of course right now, which is very difficult to do at the best of times. Hugely. And the the difference with the NBA and and the NFL is the NBA was curtailed midway through a season. So they're they're like our soccer, our football, where they just want to pick up the season and um, start going again. The NFL, about, I think it's in two or three weeks' time, they should be going into practice facilities which are, are no longer practice camps. 
everyone's got to practice at their own practice facility. So the Cowboys can't do their traditional thing of going to, I think it's Pasadena or LA somewhere and, and using um, USC's facilities. Um, so they've all got to stay in their own facilities. But because we are currently still in the off season and you wouldn't have been getting players doing private workouts um, which they they always used to do so they'd go across the country and you'd get von miller doing a, a linebackers workout for his mates around the league and stuff that's not going to be able to happen mm. so it's it is on stasis on hold when we get closer to the official time that practice squads uh stuck or, or squads playing rosters stuck coming together um then we'll get a better idea of where the the nfl players heads are at and what it'll be really interesting to see not only where the black players are at but also the white players um we saw aaron Rodgers after the 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 drew Brees um comments uh, the drew Brees comments uh, ill-judged comments yeah um we saw him come out and say it was never about the anthem and and the flag. Uh, we need to see more of that, in my opinion, from white players and high-profile players. I think we'll also we need to see some of the higher-profile black and mixed-race players stand up or kneel down um, like Pat Mahomes or... Russell Wilson, um, and and to take and and take a Kyrie Irving style or or uh, LeBron James style public stance on it. And mm. I know they've been very public in, in in other ways, but a real kind of like this 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 can't happen. I think you're right. Well, we are in a, a really interesting pivotal moment. Um, you kind of think sporting wise and nfl wise and marketing wise and all of that this is the calm before the real storm because you've got to expect that the players and the representatives the 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 guys that represent the teams amongst the players are talking amongst themselves a bit like um with the covid stuff and jordan henderson gathering all the captains you've got to expect that that's going on behind closed doors stuff that we're not part a party to and something will happen before going back to the practice squads, before the the preseason games. And we don't even know what those games are going to be like. Mm. We don't even know if fans will be allowed in the stadiums. It's all so up in the air. Yeah, I I, I will dedicate, uh, will give some love to the NFL for their dedication to we're going to have fans in the stands, whether it's rightly or wrongly. You've got to be impressed by the fact that they were talking mm. about moving, uh, you know, the the teams in California that looked like it wasn't going to be allowing fans in stands for when the NFL season comes around and the NFL was like well we've got we've got options so we can move the 49ers down to Arizona because Arizona's going to open up and we can move uh, San Diego not San Diego I keep saying San Diego Chargers we can move the LA Chargers to Texas because Texas is going to open up and they can just play there for the first few weeks of the season until California does and it's like they they were on the ball about they they're determined to have fans in those stands for the first regular season games um whether there'll be players um <laughs> who knows at that point i i will be surprised i think we will have more players taking a knee for those first national anthems 
than and coaches and staff than people standing up on those NFL sidelines. From the way that it's been discussed, I thought it was really interesting. It looked quite bad on Drew Brees, not only the initial comments, but then when he said, after looking at it and talking with my teammates over the last few days, um, I've realised that it's not about the flag and disrespecting it. It's about a bigger issue. But that should have been learnt like three years ago, four years ago when Kaepernick initially took the knee. It, it actually shows to me a lack of understanding from a lot of the NFL players, which is quite poor considering the NFL players are generally quite a united group. You know, they work for the best of each other. But it, I, I thought that was quite damning on Breeze and some of the others that have come out and said, oh, I've recently learned that it's not about disrespecting the flag. And it's like, but everybody who's followed the story knows that it's not about disrespecting the flag why Kaepernick took the knee. Everybody knows that he took the knee to be respectful because he spoke to the uh, Green Beret, was it? Or the, the yeah. former Ranger. Um, and, and he yeah. said, rather than sitting down, I would appreciate it as an ex-serviceman if you took a knee instead. And Kaepernick was like, right, I'll take a knee. That's respectful. And then everyone was like, the knee that's the most disrespectful thing you can ever do. And it's like, okay, just like, I can't win here. Just help me out here, please. I'm trying to make mm. the right point. Um, so it's, I, I do think the lack of understanding from the NFL players in general about Kaepernick has been shockingly poor when they're making statements four years too late about it. But I think it's finally is going in the right direction. And yeah, I think we will see more people kneeling down than, than standing up for the first anthems in the year. And maybe it will continue for the rest of the season. Um, and then that's going to be hugely interesting with the local communities where the teams are. And I mean, you know that Big Donald's going to have something to say about it. <laughs> At some point, he'll yeah. he'll be uh, putting a video of yeah. him turning off the NFL or something like that. And election year, and well, especially the election year, we're coming up to it, and what well, it's middle November, isn't it? And um, uh, it, that all that side will all ramp up because it's an election strategy of his. So, yeah. Um, it, it it was so blinkered from Breeze, isn't it? The the fact that he didn't know. It's I've uh, I'm I've got my beliefs. No one's going to shake them. I'm not even going to listen to it. it. It just astonishing stuff. Astonishing. You and I could do another whole hour talking about that kind of stuff because yeah. it amazing. Really. Uh, did you see? Did you see the Premier League football players all taking a knee? Yeah, in the first. Which, I, which I thought was a, an amazing show of solidarity. Um, white players, black players. And I think we could see something very, very similar in the States. I know it's easy, it, it's not easy to do it, but it, it, it's perceivably uh, less risky to do it if you're in a, a football player with an ocean separating you from yeah. some very hard right people and a growing, a louder um, group of people in in the states, but I think I think again that that first anthem is going to be really interesting, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a weird time for 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 the NFL and and everything that's going on in the US. It's absolutely, I mean, the stuff in Seattle as well, the kind of the Chaz area and things like that. I mean, it's mm. I'm enjoying learning. I have to say, it feels it feels weird to say that. But it's been really interesting listening to all of the different points of views and different 
ways and trying to take in the information and process all of it is it's again it's been almost something to do in lockdown so to speak of like learning and kind of genning up on all of this stuff um yeah but yeah it's going to carry on for uh for a much much more extended period of time and knees at the super bowl coming up in tampa as well it's it's that changing this is something i've been trying to find out as well because the nfl schedule seems like and we're going back to covid i guess now um that seems like it's still the plan is for it all to be in line aside from reduced preseason games but there is there i've heard nothing of a possible backup plan if there is another spike or the nfl seems so just determined you talk about blinkered um <laughs> the nfl seems so blinkered on their view of just we can't let anything get in the way of this is when we start this is when we finish and we'll have a super bowl here i mean it's it's still so up in the air but there's no backup plans being raised about that about this the schedule and anticipation i just wonder if you heard anything at all I haven't heard anything at all. Not 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 from a broadcasting point of view. Um, it's it seems like they're putting a lot of eggs into a vaccine or um, a cure will be found by by then. Mm. But you've got to think that you've got to make six billion yeah. copies of this particular cure before everyone's before everyone's fixed. But yeah, I haven't heard anything different. Um the the preseason's down to two games, isn't it? And yeah. the season itself is starting a week later than it normally would, uh, which is annoying because my birthday is the 7th of September, which I really wanted to go over to the states and watch the first game. The first game has been that weekend. The the, the first game last year was um I think Thursday the 7th of September or 2 years ago. So, um it's always been in and around my birthday. Now it's a week later, so I don't get the chance to, to go and do it. Um, Brutal, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, woe is, woe is me and, and all of my problems and all of that. But yeah, th- th- so they've pushed the, I think they've pushed it back a week. Um, I don't know what actual date the Super Bowl is on. Uh, the um, Super Bowl is February the 7th. Which is actually a week later. It was February the 6th. Second, I think this week, uh, this uh, earlier this year, yeah. the year before, the earliest I've I've been to a Super Bowl was the th- I think the thirtieth of January, so the whole season has been pushed back a week. Um, I think so they can give themselves a bit more time with <laughs> with what's going on. Seven days but, though, it's like. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, they've they, they've got rid of a, cr- a couple of practice games. Those practice games are going to be interesting, where. Practice matches have been completely obsolete for the main thirty-five of of the playing roster. Um, you'd only see, say, the the starting QB once for the first half of the second game. Maybe if you're lucky, the first half of the third of the four games. Yeah. So um, it's all about it's about testing the playbook, isn't it? Rather than rather than necessarily having a look at some of your your weaker players so it'll be interesting those two games seeing seeing what's happening there um i mean if i'm the bengals you want joe burrow in for the full two games don't you like he's gonna have had no time whatsoever these young qbs exactly right but then you're risking him getting hurt it's uh it's bizarre i wonder if we'll see more 
joint scrimmages at uh, practices where the Texans defense will will go over to the the Cowboys offense and then vice versa and you, you have joint scrimmages like that we might see more of those um those are always good fun on uh Hard good locks. fun on uh, on on the docks aren't they yeah yeah, yeah I haven't when... watched um I haven't watched the Eagles one yet you know what I got halfway through it um on a on a flight and it's it's really good except for the fact that I'm I'm so I follow the Eagles so closely anyway that I kind of knew all the mm. twists and turns of the stories and there aren't really many stories to come out of that season. It was just people falling by the wayside, left, right and centre. I mean every single week, every single episode is oh well another two guys are out and out for the season and uh, yeah, okay, great. But it's I mean it's cool to get close and behind the scenes with with your NFL team that you follow, but it's they got so lucky on uh, all or nothing the first year they did it with the Cardinals team that almost went to the Super Bowl and had that incredible finish against Green Bay and and you know they they were an almost all or nothing kind of team and then the next few years have always been a bit yeah maybe so it's samey isn't it yeah the same with hard knocks um i found hard knocks the formula great what what they do and if you're seeing it for the first time, it's it's great. If you're seeing it for the second time, this is, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. But then come the third, fourth, fifth, you get to see a few new players and you get but the format and the music. It's all very, a bit like, um, not a football life, but America's game. Yeah. You've got the game itself, but the format is always the same. Um, well, the America's games dropped off in quality when they had, it was done the straight after the season had finished and it's like no the the ones where they went back you know for 20 years ago and then you were removed the players were all removed from the nfl they, they could say anything that they wanted to say what they want yeah yeah whereas you feel that the, the modern ones are a bit more squeaky clean because they know that they're probably still going to be playing in the nfl and probably still even at that team at that point so there's no juicy gossip that would come out of like the garrett blunt really saying what he thinks about you know his time at the Patriots or, or his, you know, season in Philadelphia. Like he won a ring. He seemed like a really nice guy, but were there any fallings out with other people on the offense or anything like that? Mm. Who did they back really whence or Foles? Like that would be a far more interesting one to make a few years later after kind of Foles won the hearts and minds yeah, yeah. of that locker room and yeah. stuff. So yeah, I think they do. Yeah. It's formulaic and it just does drop off in quality. The closer you are to it. Which is yeah, uh, absolutely formulaic is is the absolute word, but it's still fantastic. Yeah, you know it's it's an amazing piece of TV, uh, amazing filmmaking. It it's just we're we're used to such a high standard that when that standard just remains the same, what are they going to do to raise it that little bit further? You know, and this is this I is my thing with the Premier they League. Don't, they've done that. This is my thing with yeah. the Premier League and the Premier League games. They're all raised to that exceptional level of being a big game that you never work out what really is a big game and what isn't because it all ends up meaning the same. Yeah, if you and that's because there's 38 of them. Yeah, if they if they, um, I've always said, split the Premier League into two, um, put it into conferences, <laughs> have 32 teams. You have the North Conference and the South Conference. You do a little cross cross-conference stuff you'd have more derbies you'd have more meaningful games uh have a have a playoff have a super bowl the super bowl is the biggest club final of any sport in the world 
that one of one game. The cha- some people say the Champions League final. It's not the the money's not on the same level. You may get a few more million viewers because of China or whatever, but the Super Bowl is the biggest, the biggest single club final in the world. The Premier League, if they've got aspirations of being as big as the NFL, which they're not, if you look at the biggest sports teams in the world. Dallas Cowboys is the most valuable sports team on the planet. It's mm. something like five billion. So, if the Premier League is striving to become that, change it up. Let's have let's let's make it US style and have a grand final at the end of it. You'd be ripping up years of history, but why not? Well, when the Premier League buys the EFL in a few years' time because League One and League Two clubs are struggling so much post-COVID kind of thing and because of the season being torn apart and social distancing in uh, in the stadiums, um, then they can start completely tearing up English football and design yeah. exactly how they want to and hopefully then some of the money would trickle down. But yeah, it's an interesting one because MLS though is, over, is looked at so negatively by football fans it's in the quality. style. But in the style as well, people kind of go, oh, well, what what does the season mean anything? if you win the MLS shield of being the best team in the season, but then you go into playoffs anyway. So does anybody, but then that's the same as NBA, like, and NBA, it's how many games is it? 68. Uh, A season or 60, 72, I think. Yeah. Whatever it is, there's that amount of games. The same same with baseball, which is the regular seasons. Nonsense. The NBA only really gets fun when you get to the playoffs, and then there's seven games to determine best of seven to determine who wins anyway. So, um, I I haven't heard people slag off the MLS the 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 way it's done because I think the people that I've spoken to realise that it being in a, a US league, they understand it has to have a, a US style format of deciding who is the the champion. Mm. Um, it's just the quality, the quality of it, uh, where it people have compared it to League Two standard. A, le- a good League Two team will beat a team uh, like LA Galaxy, even if they do have Zlatan Ibrahimovic in it. So, I've heard that comparison being made. I don't know, by the way, I don't know whether that <laughs> that would be true or not. But um, yeah, I haven't heard people slag off the, the the format itself. I don't mind the format. You have the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. It's similar to um, it, and and they have an overall league as well, and then then you have a playoff. It, it, Rugby Union did it here, didn't they, with the Premiership, Viva Premiership, and um, you can be the best team overall, like Saracens have been. Um, I think they were last year, and then they lost the grand final to Exeter. So it, these things, yeah. and actually that grand final is is really good fun, and it's been really embraced by rugby fans. We can't, you can't please everybody as well. That's the trouble at the end of the day. Like you, there's yeah. no way to to make everybody happy, and there'll be people that will be digging their heels in, saying that I don't want anything to change. Um, it's, I think it's a difficult sell for the UK because it's such a smaller country as well. Um, you know, east and west makes sense if you're living in the US and you don't want to be travelling <laughs> across freaking eight hours in a plane every other week to do an away game and things like that. But um, yeah, we'll see. Mate, let's uh let's leave it there for the moment because we've gone all round the houses. If that's the right, <laughs> yeah, man. we really have. There's to be honest, there's loads of stuff I wanted to ask you about in terms of your times and experiences at the Super Bowls in that production role, and like getting everything set up and like you have to deal with the storm before the calm almost. Like your <laughs> intensity is 
getting shit, making sure we're all set up and logged in and everything like that. So whereas when I'm not doing anything, you're running about and then, but then I suppose you're still doing a lot during the game as well. I mean, I couldn't have done half those broadcasts without you kind of with the little tap on the shoulder every second. So. Yeah, but often, conversely to that, Big thanks there to Ollie Hunter for having a chat about all things O-Being and the NFL and Green Bay Packers and everything else that we kind of uh, rambled around in that hour or so. Um, you can find Ollie, of course, at uh, the Gridiron Magazine podcast. Just search on all good podcasting outlets and you can hear him along with, of course, the, the great Will Gavin and Matthew Sherry as well, uh, talking all things NFL there. You can follow him too on Twitter at Ollie Hunter. That's Ollie O-L-L-Y Hunter as you would expect, H-U-N-T-E-R on Twitter. Uh, we're going to have another podcast coming up of a similar vein uh, later on this week with another person who I've worked with uh, on a number of occasions down at TalkSport, uh, Nat Coombs, who, of course, uh, used to anchor the Channel 4 and Channel 5 late-night NFL action before, of course, taking it to BBC Five Live and now at TalkSport as well, host of the Nat Coombs podcast with ESPN and uh yeah it does a whole load of stuff basically around the game he's got a column with the times as well uh so it was really interesting having a chat with him actually on the same day that i spoke to uh mr hunter uh, and that will be dropping in the next few days until then remember you can like subscribe and follow the podcast on all good podcasting outlets including anchor.fm which is where we host it you can follow us on twitter at pick six underscore pod that's pick six underscore pod uh, and on instagram as well just search for pick six podcast on there dave runs that aspect of it um and i don't think we've put anything up in a while uh, but hopefully him and jazz will be joining me on the podcast as well later on this week until then take care uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy all of the shenanigans of the nfl trying to get itself sorted uh, for the start of the season coming up in september there's going to be plenty going on that's for sure 